sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Coming, but we're back together again. Happy Saturday morning. It's the May 8th edition of Green and Growing. So glad you're here to start off the weekend. I hope it's going to be a busy one. It was just a long week. It was a busy week. But uh, yeah, we made it to Saturday, one day before Mother's Day. So consider yourself warned as if you haven't heard enough about it already. So throughout the show and actually in the next half hour, I'm uh, going to be talking to Walter Reeves and then sharing some Mother's Day gift ideas for you And dads, I know a lot of you may put off shopping until today. So just in time, you definitely have to uh, hear what I have to offer at 630 for some Mother's Day gift ideas. Let's not even call it last minute. You've still got a full 24 hours, right? Um, A lot to do in the show today. And Joe Lample, also known as Joe Gardner, um, national TV personality, longtime gardener, used to host a radio show as well. He's going to be along in the 7 o'clock hour to answer your questions about gardening. So if this is a year number one for you trying vegetable gardening, or maybe you're trying to do some fruits and different things, Joe is the guy. He offers some great online webinars and schools people on exactly how to do it the right way, organically, uh, all the way from soil to which seeds you want to buy, what plants you want to plant. So I'm excited to have my friend Joe Lample on the show. And then we'll also be talking, and I'm going to get into this uh, right now, but later in the show as well, for those of you who listen again, maybe in the 8 o'clock hour, storm damage, right? We had heavy winds yesterday, even though it was a 10 on the mellish meter. Uh, it was a very, very windy day, and I still saw limbs coming down and things like that. And we had some trees fall earlier in the week as well with the heavy, heavy rains. So we'll kind of get into what causes that to happen when the soil just gets so saturated that these trees fall. But things you can do in the very start of your landscape, planting trees, installing shrubs, just making things a little bit safer to give those trees the best start. You know, I harped on that Throughout the fall and the winter months, that is the ideal time to plant trees because it gets it gets them through the cold months, but the roots appreciate that because they have a chance to establish before the stress of the summer heat. Stress in that, that warm, warm weather really stresses them out a lot more than the cold. They can handle the cold. They're adaptive to the cold. But girdling roots, the way they just kind of wrap around and round, that can impede the root system of any plant, but especially you think about a tree that creates weak spots that's often the point of failure in storms. So think about that. And I just recently planted um, a fig tree, a little dwarf fig tree, transplanted it from the you know five-gallon or four-gallon pot that it came in to a little bit larger pot, more permanent Um, And it was the same thing. You know, I waited a week or two longer than I should have to try to get that out of that small pot. And the roots were starting to go round and round at the top layer of the soil. So that was so important. I had to break it a little bit in one or two spots to get it to not girdle like that. But that's so important for the roots to be able to start shooting off in the right direction and not wrapping around each other. So think of that when you plant a tree. That's why we always say dig the hole wider than deep. That way the roots have room to go out. And you think about decay, right? So damage from insects or other diseases that can weaken the wood in the trunk of a tree, make it vulnerable to storm damage. So you have to kind of be on top of things, watching for something like ambrosia beetle, 
where those little sawdust, almost toothpicks are coming out of the tree. Now, some of you have sent me pictures of lichens, that uh, bluish, greenish, furry, mossy-looking stuff on trees and tree limbs. That actually isn't causing any harm to the tree. It's not parasitic. It's not eating away at the, at the trunk or the limbs or anything like that. But sometimes the more lichens you have on a tree, that is an indication of a weak point. So that may be something you want to think about if you have a really cool oak tree, but this one limb just has a ton of lichens on it. That may be a limb you want to take down. The lichens aren't causing that, but they're just opportunistic and that that, that may be a weak spot in the tree. So think about that. Um, injury from improper pruning, and we've all done it, right? Making flush cuts up against the tree just completely, um, you know, vertically or topping the tree and staking with the wrong materials, whether you've left something on too long or something like that. Uh, mechanical damage from lawnmowers, that's, yeah, you see that a lot. That's kind of, that leaves a gaping wound in the side of a trunk um, sometimes. Weed eaters kind of does the same thing. That just leaves it vulnerable for insects and things. And poor maintenance, like if you're mulching around the trunk, but you're coming up too high, you're volcano mulching, you're really pushing that mulch up against the root flare and the base of the trunk, that keeps moisture in there. That's going to weaken it. Improper placement or amount of irrigation, um, any of that is going to really be harmful to initially installing a tree. So you want to get it off to its best chance. And stressed plants, they're more likely and more susceptible to, to see insect damage and disease damage. So just be on the lookout for, like I said, ambrosia beetle, anything that bores into the wood or canker-causing fungi, as well as root and crown rot fungi that survives in moist soil. And you'll probably see crown rot in some of your maybe newer shrubs and things like that if you're not careful. That's uh, just really where the, the root system starts to decay. And then you start to see it you know, above ground when limbs and branches and all of that are dying all at one time. And I kind of thought of this today. I had some planting that I wanted to do on Thursday, and the soil was still so wet. Um, and I, I did a little bit, but I worked it really well. But just allow the soil to dry out before working it. Since working wet soils, that can cause more compaction. So you actually think you're doing something good plopping in a hole. But when everything's so wet, it's probably not going to be best. It's going to be caked around the roots of whatever you put in. So think about that. Cover exposed roots, replacing lost soils with organic matter. This is a case of like flooding, right? When we've had erosion due to all of the rains we had earlier in the week a lot of that soil is washed away. So when you cover up those exposed roots, replacing lost soils with organic matter, that replaces lost microbes that have just washed away. The roots need that to protect them. So um, slow-release nutrients to promote plant health in that case as well. Something else, when you're dealing with something that's been flooded, whether you had a raised bed or a garden bed or something that the water just ponded and sat there, don't fertilize the plants while they're recovering from flood. Um, that can just stress them, make them more vulnerable to insect and disease damage. So we can't fertilize things at the wrong time. And that may be your go-to. You know, when you see that something's just not looking right, you're like, well, if I just pop a little bit of fertilizer, but sometimes that can actually have the, the opposite effect. So know what's going on with the plant before you fertilize it. So those are a few takeaways from just heavy rains, flooding, how to deal with all of that, how to promote, you know, the best practices in your garden to keep those plants happy. And something I shared on Facebook maybe earlier in the week on the Green and Growing Facebook page when you search Green and Growing WSB, 
was this fascinating study, like how important our mental well-being is. I think we all learned a thing or two about that this past year, dealing with a pandemic and quarantine and all that kind of stuff. And yes, we're coming out of it. And it makes me so happy to be able to see my friends. I've been to a couple of weddings. Things are finally getting back to normal. But just thinking about what your routine is, what your happy place is. And my, my Sundays are sacred with my family, with my husband and my dog. Sunday mornings, like that is the one morning I get to sleep in. Ideally, having coffee on the back deck, that is just my, my happy place. And you all need that. You all need some kind of outdoor getaway, some time to enjoy nature. So I found this study, too. This is what got me thinking about it. The study from Britain's Royal Horticultural Society. They surveyed 6,000-plus people. And the results indicate that those who garden, shocking every day, score higher in well-being and lower in stress levels than people who said in the, the survey they didn't garden at all. So they say gardening every day has the same positive impact on well-being as if you were doing vigorous exercise, like cycling and running. It still releases those endorphins, makes you feel really good. And when gardening, your brains are distracted by nature, and that shifts your focus away from yourselves, your problems, your stressors, and then it restores your mind, reduces negative feelings, kind of kind of gives you gives you some time away from yourself if you can find a way to escape and step away from your problems. And the study conducted by the RHS in collaboration with the University of Sheffield and the University of Virginia, uh, they published in all these journals, found that the more frequent gardening was also linked with greater physical activity, supporting the notion that gardening is good for the body and the mind, right? You're in really good shape if you're able to comfortably garden and be active in the outdoors. You're burning some calories, maybe breaking a sweat. And if you're older and you feel like that's just daunting, there are so many tools. I actually receive promotional emails almost on a weekly basis of tools that are designed for folks who are getting up in age but don't want to bend over. I was bending over for about 20 minutes in the yard yesterday trying to remove briars and some weeds from around the juniper. My back was sore. My knees hurt and my back was sore, so I get it. So there's gardening benches that you can bring along that are very lightweight as you're doing some gardening and planting. Easy digging tools that don't require bending over. You just got to know where to find them. If, if you have any questions about that, you can certainly ask me and I'll pass along some of these great companies to you that design tools with exactly that in mind, right, to make it a little less uh, stressful. And okay, so one more thing about this study. It adds to a mountain of evidence just showing the positive health benefits of gardening. And Harvard University has also studied much the same. They found that calories burnt from 30 minutes of gardening it's comparable to playing a social game of badminton, for those of you that do that, or volleyball or practicing yoga, right? That's what we can equate that to. So 30 minutes of gardening, just think about that. If you're able to get outside and do that a couple days a week, it pays off greatly in the long run. You'll be so, so much happier. So you found the right place. We talked to all the people that know all of the things so, so much more uh, than I do. But we help each other out, too. 404-872-0750 to get into green and growing. Ask your question. Share your comment. Share your tips with each other. That's how we learn. And when we come back, I'll tell you where you want to be this morning for some of the best vegetables, plus what you need to do in the landscape this week. Coming up, I'm Ashley Frasca. We'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. It finally starts to warm up today after 11 a.m. Highs are going to reach 75. Lows only 55. Partly cloudy most of the day. Same tomorrow, but a lot warmer. A high of 83 and rain. Ugh. We begin almost every week with rain. That is back in the forecast on Monday. And the forecast and the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. 
I love it that some of you write in or send me messages on Facebook and say, this is your children's favorite part of the show. So I can't leave it out. The top three things to do. All right, kids, get busy. Number one, remove suckers from tomato plants. If your tomato plants are going really tall, really fast, and be sure that they're tied up on stakes or trellises or that mom and dad have those tomato cages around them to hold them upright and don't let them vine or fall down onto the ground. Number two, fertilize annuals and perennial flower beds. So the annuals are the flowers that just live one season, and the perennials are the ones that always come back every year. You can use something like miracle Grow or Osmocote. And number three, check plants now for any diseases and insects, especially with all the wet weather we've had. Treat it as you see it, and watch for insects devouring any plants, especially the tomato leaves. You're going to see signs of uh, some insects and pests there. So I want to tell you some things to do today. You know, there's like farmer's markets and stuff. Most small towns, (laughs) I don't know if any city is small here in the metro Atlanta area, but they've got farmer's markets. So for example, the Woodstock Fresh Farm Market opens today at 830 on Market Street in downtown Woodstock and the Green Market at Piedmont Park. This is the time of year for that. Every Saturday, nine to one, And uh, Mark Banta, CEO of the uh, Piedmont Park Conservancy, shared with me, they've got, guys, strawberries and asparagus, lettuce, herbs, eggs. Uh, All the April showers have brought May flowers from Earth Dog Flowers, so that may be a good idea for mom. Uh, The Green Market has local honey and cheese, baked goods, made-to-order crepes. And crafted muffaletta sandwiches, which I've never had one of those, but it sounds pretty tasty. So all of these things to go see the Green Market at Piedmont Park every Saturday. So as soon as uh, you're done listening to the show, I'm on till 9. That's when the Green Market starts. Something really fun to stroll around and maybe things to see this weekend. And uh, right at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Walter Reeves about ants and termites. Speaking of things that you need to be on the lookout for, pests and things in the garden. And then gift ideas for mom for Mother's Day. So stay tuned at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. Lots to do in the show today and only two and a half hours to do it. I was telling my friend Corey, who's here with me this morning, like this show used to be four hours. Not mine, but when Walter Reeves hosted it. Oh my goodness, like mind blown. I can't imagine six to 10, but nevertheless, I don't think we'd run out of stuff to talk about because there's so much going on. So, hey, welcome to Green and Growing. Got some great calls from all of you. And then we'll be talking to Walter Reeves. Up first is Larry calling from West End. Hey, good morning, Larry. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I love your show. Well, thanks. I always get a couple of tomato plants and when the suckers get about two or four inches long, cut them off close to the to the main plant with a very sharp knife. Mm-hmm. Put some miracle Grow potting soil in some of the little uh, pots that you get plants in and keep them watered good, and you'll have just as many tomatoes on those as you will the plants that you started from. I love that. So when you say miracle Grow, you just use like a fertilizer? You don't use like a rooting hormone? No, just a miracle Grow potting soil. Oh, the potting soil. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome, Larry. So you actually are creating a few more plants. And and for folks that don't realize, too, tomato stems, if you look really carefully, they're very hairy, right? They have little fine white hairs. 
And those set to be future roots if you let them. So the stronger the root system, of course, of any plant, the more success it's going to have. So when you have new tomato plants, you can bury them deep. Don't worry about, oh, I'm going to suffocate the stem or I'm going to bury too much of the stem. No, all those hair-like fibers just grow out to be more and more roots, which the plant loves. So like Larry, I started mine from seed and I have not put them out yet. They're not quite ready. I was late. But Um, Yeah, when I put those in the ground, I mean, I'm pretty much going to bury those plants right up to the bottom set of leaves. And, you know, I'm taking away some of the height, but we all know they grow high just fine without our help, don't they? I had, uh, I bought two small packs of of tomato seed, two different kinds. Mm -hmm. And I think every seed in that pack came up because I had about 60 or 70 plants from each bag of from from each little pack of seed. Now, what do you do with sixty or seventy tomato plants? You give them away. You share them. Uh, the neighbors all around. Plus, out back of the high rise I live in, we have some uh, raised plant beds for us older people. Oh, those and are great. I got out the the two two of the plants when they got pretty good size. I uh, I've cut off. Uh, at least 20 limbs already and repotted them, put yeah. them in the miracle Grow potting soil, and they've already rooted. And i got plants all around this area where I live. And now let me ask you too, Larry, so the folks maybe who haven't planted their tomatoes yet will know, how far apart do you put your tomato plants? How much space do you give them? I give them about a, a foot and a half. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, because when we're talking about insects and diseases and all of that stuff, the more air circulation that can get in between those tomato plants, the better off they're going to be. So I know you want a lot of tomato plants and like Larry, limited space too. You want to try to cram as much in as you can, but spacing them is really going to do them a whole lot of good and the limbs aren't rubbing together and the fruit actually has room to set. Well, Larry, I'm really glad you called. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited about tomatoes, guys. Even if you don't like eating them, just seeing them grow. I mean, in my opinion, they're one of the easiest things to do for sure. All right. So we talk about plants and insects and I mean, uh, insects that affect our plants. And uh, Walter Reeves is on the line. And I think we're going to be talking about one in particular annoying insect. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Hey, Walter, and you're back on Green and Growing. We're talking about insects today, right? Yep, bugs, but particular bugs that I just have noticed in the landscape that I thought everybody else might have a question about. You know, you posted something on social media a few weeks ago, very good observation about a crane fly, which uh, one of your riders or one of your folks that emailed you was mistaking yeah. for a mosquito. And I think right. the same can be said for maybe us seeing these little flying pests, thinking, oh, yeah. no, they're termites, but they might not be could be flying ants. Hmm. So how would we tell the difference between a flying termite and a flying ant? One we worry about, the other one maybe not so much. Yeah. And the difference is pretty easy. Just catch one and look at the body. A termite's body will look like a cigar. It goes from the head all the way to the tail. and doesn't change in its diameter, its width at all. Whereas a termite, an ant excuse me, will have a very distinct head and waist and abdomen, and so you see these little constrictions where it goes in to make the head, goes in to make the waist, goes in to make the, the tail end. So a termite looks like a cigar, ant looks like something with head, body, and tail. Now, is this true, true or false? 
Not all ants have wings, but all termites do. True or false? False. Termites, just like ants, have various um, life stages. Let's call it life stages. The winged ones are the ones that are actually reproductive. They're the ones that can mate with each other and make more baby termites or baby ants. But most of the termites' life is uh, spent as a white little grub, again, cigar-shaped, but doesn't have wings it's underneath the surface of your wood or log or wherever they're decomposing. And so termite, uh, most of the time, is going to be a white grub sort of thing. And only the flying time is when they are able to uh, mate with each other. Now, where are we going to most commonly see the flying termite? Coming out of a stump. It's the most oh. amazing thing. I was just caught sight in my garden one day of this cloud of silver coming out of a <laughs> stump. And I thought, what the hey? And went down to look, and it was thousands, thousands oh, of termites geez. flying up out of the stump. And all of them looking for a mate, number one, I guess. And then number two, after the female uh, termites are mated, then they go somewhere and crawl underneath a twig or underneath a leaf or something they know they can eat. And they start laying eggs, and the workers come out, and the workers start eating that twig or that leaf or that log or that whatever they can find to eat in the, in the landscape. So Walter's got, like, the nightclub of termites in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're partying down. Well, hey, so, Walter, we also we get a lot of questions about ant control, more so about fire ants, though, because black ants seem to just be less of a nuisance, and certainly they're not going to bite or hurt us as badly as fire ants. And, and again, you can have winged fire ants, too. You'll see them coming out of the mounds. The mound, of course, is the thing you see in your lawn or landscape or along the highway. Those, what are they called, about 8 inches high and 12 inches wide They can be, yeah. That the, the fire ants have made. And the way to control fire ants is very specific because it comes in two steps, not one. The two-step, we call it the Georgia two-step for how to control fire ants. The first thing to do is to spread a bait. And I love the idea of baits because the baits are pretty specific just for fire ants. They don't hurt the native ants at all, or not much anyway. And so a bait like one brand name is called Andro, A-M-D-R-O. And there's one more whose name I can't remember right now, but there's one more bait. It's got to say bait on the, on the container before you use it. Spread that over the whole lawn, landscape, pasture, whatever. And all the ants, all the fire ants who find that bait will come and eat it, hopefully. Bring it down to the queen. She'll eat some, too, and everybody's dead. So a bait is great. But then it takes about, I don't know, a week or so before the mound dies. And so what about you You and you're out there walking around in the lawn and the kids are playing on the playground. What do you do about that mound that's still there, right. dying, but it's still there? And that's when you do the second step of the two-step, and that is to use a mound drench or a mound uh, powder application. And so you use there are several insecticides. You mix with water and just pour it down in the mound, and a couple more that you spread around the top of the mound. And I'm not a big believer at all in these firing poles where you spread the inside over the whole lawn because that does help. That does hurt. I mean, the native ants and the creatures that I like, like lightning bugs, like uh, ground nesting bees, like things that I really would like to have in my lawn. I don't like the sort of area-wide fire and control products at all. I'd rather you do step one, use a bait. Step two, treat the individual big mounds. Be done with it. It'll take a year before you see any fire ants back. Okay, now hit me up with this. True or false, there is an organic control for fire ants. It's hard, but there is. And okay. there's some weird things that don't work at all. And I'll <laughs> mention one that doesn't work at all first. And that is spreading grits. 
You've heard that, right? You put yes. grits around the fire ant mound, yeah. and they'll eat it, and then they'll explode, no. and the grits go into the stomach. No, 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 no. Keep that the grits for yourself, work. not for the ants. <laughs> the fire ant workers, when they get something, when they bring something into their body, they have to liquefy it first before it goes into their body. And so they liquefy the grit. It's already a sort of paste kind of stuff that goes into their body. They do not explode with grits. It does not work. The one about uh, shoveling mounds of fire ants are going to shovel out there and shovel one mound and pour it onto another mound. They fight it out until they're all dead. No, 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 no. That doesn't work either. Well, not to mention, I wouldn't want to shovel them for the mere fact that if I'm standing there long enough, either going to start crawling (laughs) up my shoes or crawl up the handle of the shovel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no. another good reason not to do it. Yeah, so. uh, one that might work, and you don't really want to disturb the mound in any case. I don't know. It's tempting to go out and kick the mound just to see them run, but it's a better thing to do if you're going to use this this method here. Uh, boiling water. Boiling water works sort of okay, but again, timing is really critical for this because you want that queen as high as you can get her in the mound, so she's most likely to be boiled alive by your treatment and so the best time to do that is in 10 11 o'clock in the morning when she's really up high working wow that's interesting and then what as the day goes on she just burrows deeper into the mountain yeah it gets, it gets hotter and she says i don't like it up here so she goes down deeper into the ground and the deeper she goes the less temperature you have of boiling water to to hurt her to affect her interesting well walter thank you very much for all of that i definitely learned a couple of new things i had no idea yeah. No grits for fire ants. Tell the world. No grits for <laughs> fire right. That's right. Well, hey, good catching up with you. We'll talk to you next week. See you soon. Out mowing the grass just earlier this week, and sure enough, I saw my first fire ant mound, so it was just a matter of time. Okay, so moving on to Mother's Day, which is tomorrow. Um, all week long on the Green and Growing Facebook page, I've posted some great gift ideas, but for those of you maybe not on the Facebook page, you're not on social media, Understood. That's okay. So I wanted to run down a couple of the lists, um, things that I've been introduced to, things that I've tried myself, and I'm very, very happy with these things. First of all, Pike Nurseries. I've tried that myself. Been there, done that. Gift cards, guys. Go in today. They open early. Plants, garden decor, birding accessories. We talk a lot about birding on the show, too. I think it's so underrated. Even if you don't have room for a garden, you've got room for either bird baths or bird feeders, Uh, patio furniture. Some of the tools that I absolutely love and that I have at home myself are DRAM, um, DRAM tools. When you see them in Pike Nursery, you'll know what I'm talking about. All of the bright colors. They've got the rain wand and the, you know, very good patented technology behind that rain wand. All the pruners, all of those things along the DRAM line are in bright colors, hard to miss. Um, Southern Living Plant Collection, I've kind of gone back and forth with those folks, and they've come out with a dwarf fig, and the name is Little Miss Figgy, and that's the thing I was talking about, the roots were girdling, I let it go a little too long, planted it in a bigger pot, mom's going to adore that, the whole family's going to enjoy it, it does need full sun to bear fruit, it's going to get maybe four to four to eight feet high, four to eight, not 48 Um, That's dwarf, believe it or not And it's uh, pest resistant Drought and heat tolerant So figs, blueberries Low maintenance plants That everyone's going to get some yummy snacks off of Throughout the year So that's going to be maybe something fun for mom Um, Hose link Hose link was something cool That I now have installed Mounted right to the side of my house You have to watch this video on my Facebook page When you search green and growing WSB uh, I talk about how, you know, you, you you argue with your spouse in the yard and the garden doing work. 
like leaving the hose coiled. It's just a muddy mess on the ground. And we always fight. You know, we're both out there for hours, my husband and I. And then who's going to put everything back? Who's going to put everything away? Well, hose link is this really cool, innovative, you know, like container for your hose. And it's mounted to the side of your house and it's retractable. So it comes with the hose either, I think, in 50 feet or 82 feet long. And it just retracts right back into its little home that's up on the house. You hook it up to your faucet, your spigot, and it works Great. So that is like one less thing for us to argue and fight about. I love it. You'll have to watch the video on how it works. And then also talking to Larry a few minutes ago about tomatoes for folks who either just don't have the space and you plan to use a five-gallon bucket, which is very popular for tomato plants, um, or maybe you're bad about remembering to water. You always forget to water. A grow bucket is this really neat thing. You do need a five-gallon bucket. You start off with that. And the grow bucket, folks, and that's made right here in Georgia, shipped right here from Georgia nationwide. They've got inserts, And the float sticks and all these things that you put in the five-gallon bucket as water reservoirs and things to really properly feed the plants. Not only tomatoes. You can plant anything with this. But the technology is really great because you can't overwater it. You can't, you know, it's not going to dry out because it has its own um, water reservoir system. Low cost, super easy, and good for small spaces. So those are some of the ideas. Hop over to Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. Check out my list of gift ideas for mom. All right, it's 6.50. How's mom getting along on the roads in Atlanta? Mike Shields is getting ready to tell us. We'll be back. Fifty-three degrees in Midtown Atlanta. Sometimes I forget to turn around and look out the window. So daybreak is beginning. We're going to reach a high of seventy-five today. It's going to warm up after about eleven a.m. tomorrow. Eighty-three, partly cloudy for the weekend, though. That's okay with thunderstorms returning on Monday. Green, green, and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So I'm going to mix it up just a bit. Earlier, about half an hour ago, I gave you like the real top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. Well, I found something else, too, from the Farmer's Almanac. Many of you have used that as a resource and referenced that gardening by the moon of the Farmer's Almanac. I think that's fascinating. So based on that... And some of this holds true, some may not, but it's interesting. May 9th through 11th, so this weekend, those days are good days for transplanting, according to the moon calendar. First two days, the uh, 9th and 10th, are also when planted root crops will yield well. And the last day, the 11th, that's favorable for planting beans, corn, cotton, tomatoes, peppers, and other other above-ground crops. And they get this later in the week, May 12th and 13th, any seed planted then going to tend to rot. Who knew? So maybe mark that on the calendar. Don't plant any seeds May 12th and 13th. Interesting. I'm going to sprinkle that in every now and then. All right. Time to check traffic and weather and news updates. Be back with some questions about dogwoods, Indian hawthorn, tomatoes, and Joe Lample. Joe Gardner right here on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.